0: Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Robert Lee from Signify, Greg.
1: That's right. Signify, one of the world, or probably the world's leading lighting company. Uh, they used to be Philips, as we all know, but now they're Signify. And their purpose is to unlock the extraordinary potential of light for brighter lives in a better world. They have just about everything you can imagine in lighting. And they're always innovative, always coming up with new product. They are truly the leader in lighting.
0: So Robert E. Lee from Signify coming on, talking controls and other thing, aspects of the lighting business. Always a pleasure to talk to Rob. We spoke to him a few times over the over the years. Yeah, it's at shows. least the second time now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So go to Signify.com. That's S-I-G-N-F-Y. Whoa. Signify.com. That's S-I-G-N-I-F-Y.com. That was a tongue twister, Greg.
1: You got it down, though. We know Ooh. it. Signify. Long-time
0: member of Nailed. Thank you for your support, Signify. Long-time member of Nailed. Leader in Nailed. So thank you for being a part of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, coming out hot with our new uh, Evolve lighting, lighting Specialist Program. Oh, I just said the name, Greg. That's right. <laughs> there Unless it is. Evolve, lighting Specialist it. Evolve, coming out hot. Enjoy. Welcome to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast,
2: Robert. Hello. Hi, everyone. Say hello to Greg Eric. Hi Robert, good to see you. Hey, yeah, Likewise, yeah. gentlemen. It's been a while. It is, yeah.
0: You know, uh, Robert, we're here to talk today about Signify's, I would say, a emerging and consistently growing position in the world of IoT. So we spoke. Is that a good way to describe it? It's an emerging position, or it's it's evolving.
2: Uh, I would say actually uh, Sctify has played a very instrumental role in the leadership role in terms of defining technical requirements and' is also establishing a partnership with multiple companies. Um, so I will probably not so much as emerging per se. I would say probably just extending our leadership position across multiple areas in product innovation partnership and also you know helping our customers.
0: Do you have a lot of revenue coming directly from IoT at this point, or is it still something that you're developing?
2: Uh, absolutely, we have a lot of uh, revenue coming from IoT across multiple disciplines, both in terms of components, the luminaires, and also uh, services and software as well. And mm-hmm. I only support the component side of the business, so I can really speak to other colleagues on Signify, because as you know, it's a global company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm aware of a lot of uh, things that are happening, and I definitely we are trying to. Um, you know, in focus on this future of lighting, which, as we all know, is pretty pivotal for the industry as a whole.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we're going to dive into a little today. But you write that you're excited about the next decade of lighting. What specifically excites you?
2: I think that exciting really comes in multiple shape and forms and sizes. I think that exciting in terms of collaboration. Uh, I'm in a personal opinion that the Internet of Things or IoT really is going to break down the wall. So you really can think of it in terms of silos and that change um, that sort of a change in perception and attitude really bring a different level of engagement and different kind of innovation as well as opportunities for every you know, component, every players, not just those who are offering the luminaires, but also those who are doing the, the services right? And even for the end customers. So there's really a lot of exciting things are happening around us. Uh, and some of those are very well known. Um, others maybe is under the radar, but I'm personally involved. So I'm very excited about all of those.
0: Exciting also um, denotes a certain amount of uncertainty about the future. When somebody right. says they're excited about something, it's because generally because they don't know what's going to happen. Um, what is it that you are excited about and how do you think it's going to translate into a defined new future for the lighting business
2: well let's uh, talk about something i wrote in my blog and then specifically about lighting industry Um, i'm predicting what the lighting industry might be like a decade from now and i think that excitement is about the potential opportunity and also in terms of possibility Uh, of course there's always a, a certain level of apprehension uncertainties in terms of what future may hold, but if you um, take a look at the blog in which I talk about three pillars of the lighting industry, and this is just based on what I read, and not to say you know anything particular from a competitive standpoint. If you look at things that are happening around us, I think all of us can agree that um, Internet of Things has ushered things like uh, you know autonomous vehicle, right? Sensors about just about everything that is around us, whether it's your cell phone or even the luminaires. So all of that's kind of converging towards a sort of um, future state in which I, uh, I made argument in my blog that um, you know, machine learning, big data, uh, and also the augmented reality, as well as digital infrastructure will really help to trans- uh, transform the lighting industry as a whole moving forward. And I think that's really the possibility that made me extremely excited about.
0: It. I think it's going to transform all industries. Um... Why do you feel, and, and this is something I ask, you know, we talked with uh, Silvera about, we talked with um, Mc, uh, McWong and other companies about, why do you feel that lighting is so important in, in IoT?
2: Well, uh, first of all, when you mentioned about Silvere and McWong, actually, those are the company that I uh, have a personal and also professional relationship with. In fact, the CTO of Silvera actually was kind enough to give me a few uh, quotes for me to use in my blog. And then so I think Meguan is obviously a very well-known company. Uh, but the point is, is, is that um, all of those companies, including Signify, are working together to help to advance the lighting. Because think about it this way, right? Lighting is all around us. You have lighting in your room right now. Uh, all of us have lighting or re- require lighting when we get into the building to do work or even get out the work at home. So there's a lot of um, so lighting is really around us. So that's a big in uh, many of us in Signify is on top avenue for thinking about how lighting can be transformed with a digitization or IOT. So I think that's really why I think lighting certainly will become a more important, if not the most important areas in terms of changing our mood. Uh, so in terms of energy saving and things of that nature. So there's really a lot of possibility um, in terms of lighting industry when you cons- uh, consider uh, connectivity as part of the equation.
1: Now, uh, it, also in your blog, you talked about uh, the future and, and what lighting's going to look like in 2030. and you said the answer lies in a future state called the mirror world. Yep. Tell me what the hell the mirror world is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, actually, there's a terminology that was coined by a, some of the futurists. So mirror world, think about it this way then. So everything that we interact with today is a physical world, right? Mm-hmm. And the mirror world is uh, imagining all of that is actually represented in a, a digital uh, paradigm or digital world. So imagine, if you will. I think that I use the analogy of uh, Pokemon Go. For those of us who know what the Pokemon Go is, is really about integrating these information through the use of a smartphone. So you can see these uh, Pokemon character, you know, appearing as you use a phone to hunt around those, you know, uh, um, the characters. That my my son was really into that. So I think that is really a uh, sort of a telltale sign of what the augmented reality could be like in the future. So imagine if you go into a room where you have light fixtures, right? So if you are maintenance personnel, imagine, this is what I explain in my blog, is that you can hold up a device. It could be a smartphone. It could be, you name it, right? Um, in the next uh, five to 10 years, might be some of the devices that they can actually point at the ceiling and look at the light fixture to be able to tell this is a particular ID or this is a device that I need to check for, for example, emergency audit. Right. They have to do that on a regular basis. So that's one example of the mirror world in which everything that we see, everything that's around us can be digitized so that information becomes available to us wherever we are and whenever we are.
1: But now you brought up the idea of maintenance and that they had to have a cell phone. You're talking mirror world as if they can be anywhere. They don't actually have to be to the fixture or under the fixture using the phone. You're Uh, saying they can just look.
2: That's true. And I think that that kind of make it more uh, like a wowie world. <laughs> we sit sitting in our chair and be able to uh, virtually immerse ourselves in the environment. And then, you know, uh, yeah, so I think that really, I think that we might be just a scratching the surface in terms of possibility when you think about connected lighting by uh, incorporating things like, an you know, augmented reality or virtual reality or, uh, you know, machine learning and big data and all of that stuff.
1: So there's going to have to be an accepted platform. You know, we've talked to a number of different people about connected lighting whether it's power over Ethernet or Bluetooth mesh or 0 to 10, what is going to be the format or the, the platform that everyone's going to go with?
2: Uh, I think that that's going to be a pretty interesting question. Again, I'm speaking for myself. Uh, I think that first of all, one of the things I'm advocating, and especially those on Signify, is that you have to have a connect lighting to begin with. And then when you get into connect lighting, there are a lot of different variations of that. You you mentioned about the power over Ethernet is one example. Uh, You may also have things like, for example, DALI. Or, you know, there are a lot of different things. And I think the standard organizations such as DIA, C are trying to put their hands around that. Uh, so I'm a little more pragmatic because my background is really in the telecom industry. So I can speak from my personal prior experience before I joined Lighting that there could be a lot of different uh, wireless protocol uh, to implement this sort of uh, um, data transmission, uh, whether you're indoor or outdoor. So I think that, you know, it's hard to say which one is going to be the dominant four factor, but I think that overall you have to recognize that the common DNA across all those technologies about information exchange, or what I would call it a telemetry, which is sharing information from one device to the other to a centralized controller. So if you cannot remove the sort of which technology is better, but focus on the uh, the key essence, which is basically, you know accessing data remotely to do diagnostic maintenance, I think all of the technology may have its own unique uh, benefits, depends on the applications.
1: So you're going to need a device then, if we're talking lighting and I assume it's going to be in the driver that, are you saying that you should make a driver that can cover all the different platforms or are you saying people are going to pick a platform and that driver is going to work for this one and then this driver works for that one so Two different buildings could be right next to each other and have totally different systems. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. So I think the a driver, that's a very good uh, segue into something I, I like to consider is that to build this sort of digital vision or digital infrastructure, you really have to start with the most basic building block. And I think that uh, here in Signify, as many of you know, we are um, advocating a so-called, I call it a digital LED drivers. Uh, this is different from your so-called analog driver in the sense that it has building diagnostic and building memory. So everything that is about this driver and the luminaire itself is maintained and kept the record of on which you can access you can do some sort of data extraction and interpolation and that's where the fun things really come about right because once you have the data then you're able to do something that you're not able to do so versus a zero to ten driver for example so obviously this is going to be a trade-off but i think that that trade-off probably will pay for itself down the road because if you think about the lighting um any uh light fixture for example uh, especially led which has a much longer lifespan than your traditional lighting system so whatever money you spend today if you consider it over the the cement, uh, of lifetime of a light um of the um of the lighting fixture for example that really pay for itself with that incremental investment in that digital uh, in this all digital led driver for example
1: so you're saying existing buildings won't have to be rewired you're you're saying that But the fixture itself will have to most likely be replaced for everything to work this way.
2: Yes. Yes. So, for example, if you have a fixture with a fluorescent light uh, light, uh, tube, for example, right? So when they consider retrofit, they need to think, hey, it's not just about uh, maximizing your or minimizing rather your expenditure today. But think about five years from now or even 10 years, which when you do the LED retrofit, for example, uh, the light fixture probably will still be there. And then in that case, what are the future use cases that you may not anticipate? I think that that sort of decision is not just at the buyer's level, but somebody who is at the very highest echelon of the corporate uh, company that you know manages these all the different locations have to take that into consideration so that they can sit there perspective much longer than just you know trying to fit within the current budget because if you do that and if you do with um you know not to say the 010 is not good but you kind of limit yourself down the road in terms of the things that you may want to do and i think that's sort of a short-sightedness that we need to guard against by having more of a holistic view about the future of lighting if you take this a longer view for example
1: so as of today what can a lighting distributor do to future-proof their lighting or the customer's lighting
2: um, I think that's a very broad question. So let me try to kind of um, um, peel it uh, onion one layer at a time. For example, mm-hmm. I think the first thing is that they have to research because uh, there are so many things that has happened in the lighting industry for the past couple of years or three years or so. Right. So we have multiple companies come out with a really cool and innovative lighting control solutions and each has their own strength and perhaps some weaknesses. And I can't speak to all of them. Um, so you have to do some research. You kind of arm yourself with the latest information. That's number one. Uh, I think the other thing that comes to mind is that you have to understand that what kind of a use cases you might want to um, support, and um, and that's something you may have to not just ask your colleague, uh, perhaps asking the people who are in charge. Say, hey, maybe somebody said the you know, IT department or you know somebody higher up. Hey, we have the opportunity to make that transformation that will impact us for the next uh, you know three from five years, for example. Then how can you? Uh, How can we leverage this sort of a pivotal moment so that you make the right investment for the future, not just for the current sake? And I think last but not least, I'd also, you know, um, just trying to uh, study some other use cases. There are a lot of great um, reports, news about how the company are leveraging the connected lighting solutions. Like if you go into the DLC, for example, they have a lot of good information over there to talk about the future use cases so they can start to share that information internally to make the right kind of decision.
0: See, I kind of, um,
2: um, Hmm. I'm skeptical. Okay. So I sell light bulbs every day to
0: end user clients. And I involved in a lot of, um, projects where large companies are upgrading all of their lighting. And when I speak to them about IOT or about connected lighting, they couldn't care less. And you know when it comes down to like these potential use cases and stuff like this, like I'm in the trenches, man. My my people are selling the, the final project, and I'm selling the final project, and then we're installing and commissioning and this sort of stuff. And they get sensors, they get on off, saves energy, they get wattage reduction, and then we start to speak to them about IoT, and the faces go blank. And we start talking to them about data, and the faces go blank. We start mm-hmm. talking about future proof, and the faces go blank. And we had one project where. Um, a mesh network would have increased the a four hundred thousand dollar project to a seven hundred thousand dollar project. Double and that went off Basically. the table. That went off the table the second it was put on the table. Yep. So I'm unconvinced. Um, I, I'm not sure. Like I think there are some customers there. I think there. I I think my 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 uh, my my gut instinct here, Robert, says that that to me. And I'm just a light bulb salesman in the front lines. I have a little counter here. You know, who am I to say? But from my perspective, um, I think this is a lot of, uh, until someone wants the data. So I don't, I don't, like, why would the corp, what is the corporation going to do with the data? What is the business case there for the customer? Not something that some white tower people thought around and thought up as a use case. I want to know what is it the customer wants to know from their light, light fixtures or their connected devices that they don't already know or don't already have access to.
2: Okay. So I think that's a great question. I think that's something that actually I and also many of uh, the control company that I deal with who have to pitch to the end customers are grappling with. Because when it comes to lighting, it's very easy people just say, hey, I don't need that sort of extra capability because they don't know what to do with the data. Uh, so I think that is a big uh, acute problem that we're dealing with. And we, uh, the, the way that we respond to that is the following. Uh, first of all, for the lighting industry, we need to do a better job in terms of articulating what the, val- the value of that data is. And I am one of the person who is advocating uh, with R&D team. Say, hey, we need to show what the data can do for you. And then in this block that I mentioned, data become essential, especially when you come into the maintenance. And let me give you an example. Is that a lot of times right now, fixtures go, uh, went out of service. And we don't know the reason why. It could be a power surge. It could be a natural disaster like hurricane. It could be many other reasons. So that causes a great deal of inconvenience and also in terms of labor and cost to get that replaced. Right. So there's the cost associated with that. Now, we don't know. It depends on application. If it it's outdoor street area lighting or indoor light, the cost of replacement could vary quite significantly and that replacement cost that capture when you look at the uh, look at quote for example right if you are doing lighting retrofit of car dealerships and whatnot they don't look at the cost for repair they just look at upfront investment cost right replacing a system a with system b or comparing system x versus y versus z so they didn't take into this maintenance cost aspect into the equation so i think what i try to allude to is that by having connected lighting with the data then you're able to use that information in a very intelligent way. By intelligent, I'm talking about you can start to build out the data point. Of, oh, I think that based on this pattern, based on this scenario, you could have failure at this moment. And that's where the machine learning comes in. So that's one aspect of the data that people who do this sort of a purchase decision at the buyer side probably do not realize. And this is something that lighting industry as a whole, when you could do a much better job when you talk about connected lighting, it's not just about energy saving. Which, by the way, I think when you turn a chapter on that, because everybody knows there's energy saving going from conventional to LED. But the next step in terms of benefits, that's where we need to do a much better job articulating and trying to outline that in my uh, the blog. And so that's a bit of a long, windy answer to a question that's very acute. But I think that people at that much higher, lo- uh, higher level up in the corporation recognize that, uh, and that's something that we need to do a better job, including myself, to articulate it.
0: Yeah, I don't think maintenance savings is going to sell it. Um, I, 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 the well, I think there are some very large niche customers for that. And what I'm saying is, is that like perhaps um, municipalities with their street lighting burnouts, mm-hmm. perhaps they could get ahead of that a little bit rather than relying on a phone call from a citizen or something like that. Yep. That's a possibility. Um, But the vast majority of my customers will not buy that and pay more for that. So I think the maintenance, it's got to be like maintenance and energy savings both have to be set aside. Yeah. And we got to say, what data can we collect? And why would this data be interesting, interesting to other people, regardless of maintenance or energy savings? What is the data we can collect? How can it then be used? Um And once that date, see that day, the maintenance data just isn't valuable enough. Is it valuable? Is what you're saying good? Yes. I agree with you that, gosh, wouldn't it be great if fixture 127 told the maintenance manager that its driver was out and told him the brand of driver and what he needed to do to fix it? Yeah, that would be great. But that information isn't critically valuable enough to justify the capital expenditure, the ongoing commissioning, because not only that, though. There's a burden to managing this IoT. Absolutely. You know, so now you have to do something with the information. That's a human resources question. So now you're spending money in order to do something with the data that you're collecting from your lighting. Why would people do that? That's a tough this is a tough business case, man.
2: It is true, and I think that that's one thing that you don't know what you don't know in a way it's kind of so Right. You don't know what you don't know. I think that's where the IoT really presents the opportunity where if you make the investment today, you may hedge yourself against some of the future scenario in which you do need that data. And so a little bit is kind of, a, uh, I would call it upselling, quite frankly, right? Because, you know, for most of us, maintenance, cross out the maintenance, what else can you do with the connected lighting? I have a a, a control company that uh, is a partner of Signify. They're able to leverage the data collected uh, because these are the sensor data, for example. They know where people are congregating within a building so it can help in, from a retail standpoint. You can see, they you know, this is a, a layout that optimized my traffic flow. So there's some sort of, a, you know, I would call it moving away from the maintenance aspect, more focused on more of a revenue generating aspect. So there's one potential use case of uh, having a digital infrastructure that gives you the sort of a uh, uh, a data set that you didn't realize, hey, I can turn that into something valuable as I plan for the store layout, uh, especially now that everybody's talking about virtual, right, shopping on Amazon, shopping on whatever it, might, it may be. So bringing people to the store to have them to get the most optimum experience, that's one scenario where you do need the data. And another scenario is actually we have Signify offering this uh, solution is called LiFi, for example. Basically, lighting provided high-speed data for instance, so that's another example where you can use data to tell shopper, for example, as you walk down the aisle of this produce department, we have this wonderful season harvest, seasonal harvest that is on sale right now. And then you know they can marry that sort of a end user profile if they want to opt in with sort of a coupon that they can leverage. So there's a lot of you know new use cases. Yeah, that,
0: that sounds. Those are like those are, are sort of that sounds like something from a brainstorming session.
2: I know right. it's not be actually it being discussed, and then I'm only selling sure. on the component side, right, but if you talk about i o t how many of us can imagine self driving cars uh, five years ago, right right
0: wait, wait 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 hang on a second here so so I agree with you that yes the uh, what I'm not saying that this is not gonna happen, what I'm saying is that I haven't heard like there's a lot of brainstorming about what's gonna happen. Let me, let me, there's two things, directions I want to go to here. I'm going to go with the first one. Okay. The first one is, the first one is, do you know Peter Drucker? Do you know who that is? Yep. He's the famous management consultant, right? Mm -hmm. And, and he asked the good question, which is who is the customer, right? What does the customer want to buy? Okay. So those two questions are very key. So you take, Example of Alta Vista. Do you remember Alta Vista, the search engine?
2: Yep. Okay, many years ago, right? It's okay, big...
0: or Yahoo is a, another example of this, right? When they were starting their their businesses, their customer was the person that was searching on Alta Vista. Hmm. Okay? That was their customer. Google came in and they said our customer is not the person searching Google. Our customer is the person who wants to advertise to the person who's searching Google. So in fact, our the, our product is the user. Okay? Our product is the user. So Google's product is people using their search engine. Okay? Okay. That was their insight. They changed that. that. that they reversed it. So they said, we're not serving the people using Google. We're going to bring people of a certain type and subset them so that other people will pay to know what they're searching for. That's what Google did, okay? And it's genius. Someone has to do this with this IoT because I'll tell you right now, the traditional customer of a light fixture has no interest in any of this right now. And I'm telling you that from the streets. Now, are there some niche markets here and there? Yes. There are going to be niche examples or areas, maybe some of these areas will be quite vast. Like I said, municipal street lighting is an example where this argument will, like where lighting people can predict the thing. What I think is that once the information is valuable, someone's willing to pay for it, why would anyone buy the light fixture? The person who wants the, the information will pay for the light fixture. Does that make sense? Otherwise, the data is not, the, the, the not worth anything.
2: So I think that let's kind of follow that train of thought here. So the people who will be interested in the data, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. So who are those people? Because ultimately, those people have a big sway over, uh, I want you <laughs> to have this sort of a next step up in terms of data collectability, right? Mm-hmm. Connected lighting, for example. And let me just say this. And I think those people uh, are usually not the people who are looking at this sort of, um, you know, lighting fixture retrofit for example or even the new install maybe they do in the new install situation because hey i want to have a brand new clean slate uh let me talk a little bit about what budget can i allocate to lighting or it infrastructure and i think those the people usually is like one or two or even three layers removed from the normal day-to-day purchase decision the so-called people that you deal with in the trenches and i think this is where it's, it's really a long sales cycle uh, And what I mean by that is that, um if anybody in my position who is thinking about connect the lighting, you have to know who are you talking to So in that example of Google realizing that, hey, I need to uh, market to the advertiser because that's where they were willing to pay the money to attract the people to the goods and services uh one thing to keep in mind is that ultimately who's gonna pay those advertisers, their customers? their customer had to buy the goods and services online. So they want to be able to present that information in the most optimized ways through SEO, search engine optimization, for example, right? So if you follow the same train of thought, if you apply that to lighting industry, absolutely. I think the people who are making the purchase decision they have a very clear mandate that I have this X dollar amount for lighting. But if you go beyond the people who are making sort of purchase decision, introduce, expanding the mindset of people who are, the, you know, CTO. I think you have yeah. to
0: go beyond that. Yeah, but sure. you, have, you have to and go beyond really that. Good.
2: It is, that's why it's a total change in mindset. Technology is there. It's not mature. And then we have, we're struggling really to articulate uh, some of the benefit beyond energy saving or even maintenance. But I think that's what IoT has become such a fast-evolving industry across multiple verticals that there are so many different new use cases are being developed. So do you ask me what do I know what they might I'll be? I'll give
0: you an example. I'll give yep. you an example, a really dark, bad example. Okay. Okay of how you could change the customer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that now someone else who wants the data is willing to pay for the light fixtures. Okay. Okay. So let's say that, um, uh, let's just create a hypothetical scenario. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's say you take a foreign nation state that really likes to spy on the companies of another foreign nation state and steal, let's call it, one of them will call them Oceana, okay, and the other one will call Euro, okay. So Oceana likes to spy on Euro's businesses, right? And let's say um, there's a lighting contractor in Euro who can go then to the who has lots of customers that this other company wants to uh, other country wants to spy on, and he says, you know what, I can give you your lighting for a very very low price, actually. And they then install connected lighting that monitors the, what the goings on in that building. Maybe without those people knowing, maybe it offers them some uh, unique things where they can address it and turn their lights on, but they're recording the information of what's going on in that building. Maybe it has microphones in, involved. And so the lighting's all connected and it's syncing all these conversations, sending and sending packages of data to the, the other country. So there's an example. Of where the value of the data exceeds the value of the lighting and the light fixtures, right? That's where we have to get to. Now, my hypothetical situation involves the machinations of foreign states on one another, but that information could be potentially valuable. So, for example, let's say, um, distributor A's customer is Hewlett Packard or IBM or Northrop Grumman or, um, Boeing or one of these major major U.S. companies, and you actually use these lighting this lighting to spy on them, people would be paying would be willing to pay big money for the information, right? <clears throat> so what the lighting industry has to do, or what IoT has to do, that's a negative, bad spying business case I've made, but I've made a I've created a situation where the information value exceeds the value of the energy savings, of the delivered light, of the maintenance, and everything, right? That's the kind of business case the lighting industry has to develop beyond so that people that want information and data are willing to pay for it enough to the point where it subsidizes or pays for the entire capital cost of the lighting project.
2: So that's um, a very interesting use case, Michael. And uh, I'm not going to be able to put in my position to discuss that because that's pretty sinister, to be honest.
0: Yes, for sure. <laughs> but that's I, the I'm only. Not, that's the only way. That's the only way I can see the data being valuable.
2: Actually, I think there's uh, some much brighter examples. And then okay, give also, me one. Yeah, so I will tell you one. But before that, though, I want to talk about in that scenario, the Hewlett Packard, the the IB in the world, sh- surely they have some of the best, uh, I was a security expert, when they consider how to plug in this connected lighting into their existing IP backbone, they were putting a lot of provision to guard against that type of uh, misuse or uh illegal usage of data. So I think that that's something, and I can say for a fact that, you know, company like Apple and Google for the world, they have their own connected lighting system. So surely they will put that into consideration. But I want to tell you something I thought is a little bit brighter and more, um, I guess, is really show what the connected lighting can be uh, for a school application. And this is an example which is very hard to quantify the actual benefit, but it, the impact is very visible and profound. And I think that's the scenario that mm-hmm. we we'll start to realize more and more so we can focus more on the the, the uh, perception rather than the actual dollar and cents. Because I think the lighting, as you probably know, it really sets the mood. Right, uh, Daytime versus evening, when you change the lighting, you know how to change the atmosphere. And so in this example, I, I'm fortunate enough to witness firsthand when I went to uh, uh, the classroom in uh, San Diego. And I was actually fortunate enough to uh, be able to attend this uh, event called the Strategy in Light in San Diego earlier this year. We were so, there. Yep. So I stopped by one of the classroom who put in a connected wireless system. And this is system is room based wireless. But what makes it so unique is the fact that the teacher can use the connected lighting to change not only the light intensity, but also the color temperature.
0: So Okay, so so okay, I got that's my I have the next thing written down on my sheet is the contradiction between circadian and IoT. Okay. okay. All right. So, so I, I see those two things. So circadian, the thrust towards circadian and healthy lighting systems seems to be in contradiction with IOT. So, or the promises of IOT. So right now, you know, all the people, well, you can control your own lighting. You can come into your office and you can uh, set it up so that it's different temperatures and all this sort of stuff. But really what the circadian people have been telling us is that no, circadian is going to be a prescribed thing. So that this is circadian healthy lighting and nothing else, nothing else is whether you like it or not. So there's like this, this thrust that says, no, no, circadian healthy lighting has this, these characteristics and starts at this time and does these things over a course of a period of time. And IOT, the idea of being able to change that somewhat offends the circadian argument. So I feel like there, there's these two stars in the lighting business right now flashing through the sky, but they're not, they're, they're, their promises are contradictory to one another.
2: I think that there are a couple of things I want to mention about that. I think that those could actually become a happy coexistence in this particular example. And um, the reason why I said it is the following, because when we talk about circadian lighting, my interpretation is that there's specific rhythm. Uh, the color temperature over time. And then you can use a sort of, a uh, you have uh, uh, set up this sort of profile over the course of the day. And that's one, uh, I'll call it a you know, centralized control scenario. Okay. On the other extreme, well, actually the other case is which I have uh, experienced personally is that someone can use so-called connected lighting to change the scene and the mood of the classroom with a wireless control. So without getting into the specific technology, let me give you a little bit uh, um uh, overview of this uh, classroom, for example. So this teacher, she is, um, so she has a classroom students and then she needs to have the light replaced because the room is not very, uh, what she considered very uh, uh, friendly for the students. It is uh, tucked in the corner of a, a school. This is a private school, by the way. And I don't want to give in all the specific detail about the name and so on. But the point is that, uh, through some sort of volunteer effort, and the Signify was part of that, we're able to put in this connected lighting system in which the teacher can use a wireless control to change the color temperature as well as intensity in the classroom from 1% to uh, 100% in terms of lighting output or 2700 to 6500. All right, so this is the case where the teacher has the total autonomy on controlling the light. color temperature and light intensity using the so-called connected wireless system. And then the thing now, as she said, was very profound is that with that sort of a control, she's able to engage a student in a way that she never had before because she can let a student, for example, who might earn this credit to change the color temperature for that particular period, to change the color temperature as well intensity based on what that student feel like is best for him. So, there's a different level of control. What does he know? And what does what she he, know? Well, see, here's a deal. She's not operating from the perspective of op, uh, I want to optimize the circadian rhythm. It's about feel, it's about visual impact. I think this is a very important part of the lighting. But that
0: that's where circadian and IoT contradict one another.
2: Well, see, see, Michael, that's the thing that. There might be a prescribed view, and I'm certainly not an expert. I'm not in the academia sure. side. Uh, actually, PNNL has, a, uh, I believe, a webinar coming up pretty soon. And one of the uh, the presenter Andrea, actually is someone who I've reached out to since our first webinar. So I want to give a shout out to her as well. I think there's a lot hey, more. Andrea. <laughs> yeah, Andrea. There. But there's a lot more. To the science behind circadian rhythm that we're just in the process of discovering, right? To be able to establish the baseline and how we can optimize that. So I want to step away from that for a moment. Mm. But with the connected lighting, they give you the control that you wouldn't have before. And that's where the connected lighting, and we're not talking about data point, by the way, we're talking perception. Because in this sure. case, the teacher said verbatim that what you, her classroom has transformed from a dungeon. I'm not kidding you. He's, he literally used the word dungeon into a, pli, a place of pride and joy because the way that she can interact with her student, the way they can control the mood, the color temperature, the light intensity that fits them. And so they may, be, have, they may have their own specific set of attitude or perception of what a color can do to them, but that is indisputable. We can control it to, you can control it, set it to a level that you like. Right. So this is one small pocket of example, which I hope to see more of going forward, because I'm also working with a, a, a multiple control company to uh, uh, to um, deploy this so-called digital lighting control system that can change the color temperature across multiple areas, schools, commercial buildings, you name it. So we will be able to have a much wider body of evidence to show that what is circadian rhythm means? Do we want to uh, automate it or you want to get the user in the room uh, ability to set it to their own liking? So it's still pretty new, but from the connecting lighting standpoint, there are a couple of innovations that I feel is very strongly that I want to bring out is that you now have a way to connect and control them. And also you can change the color temperature that you may or may not have before. Or if you do, it might be very expensive. And we're going to change all of that with this new innovation that we have. Mm.
1: Yeah. Now you now you just need to make it affordable. So (laughs) that's the issue that we run into is great idea. You know, I'm working with a school district right now. I've given them three proposals. One is to retrofit their fixtures with tubes. One is to insert new fixtures, and then one is to add controls to those. And the price significantly increases as you go. As you know, tubes to fixtures is a huge increase. And now fixtures to controls is like similar to Michael's situation: four hundred thousand to seven hundred thousand, just like that. And can you justify that extra 300000 for that control? That's the tough part for us as people. That and you're
0: not that. including training everyone how to use it. Yes.
2: So there's a, I think I'll have to say this, and with any new technology innovation, there's always a learning curve and then the price would, would do come down, right? Just think about like a smartphone. How many people had smartphones, say 15, 10 years ago? But now it becomes such an indispensable part. And there's also a different price point for the smartphone, too. But there's a
0: reason for that. You know why, Robert? There's a reason for that. So we all, we all, I don't know if you've ever heard people say, so I believe that humans are very smart. Okay? I don't buy That's into right, the...
2: There's power out there.
0: Yeah. I don't, And I think humans make rational decisions. Now, as a group, maybe it doesn't seem rational or whatever, but I think most people are smart. And I think most people make good decisions for themselves. In their lives. And uh, I think arguments against that, I don't like it. So here's what the people have adopted cell phones because it improves their lives so much. Mm -hmm. And those improvements are obvious to them as soon as they get them. And other people that don't have them notice that they're lacking something like Google Maps and all these different applications, right, that we that that we use on our phones that were literally unimaginable 20 years ago. Unimaginable, okay? Not unimaginable, but beyond the the idea of uh, democratizing them to the masses, okay? So we will switch extremely fast and we will adopt new technologies very quickly if the benefits are obvious, mm-hmm. okay? I think we're in the situation right now with IoT and lighting that the benefits are still not
2: obvious, well, I think that um, it may be, uh, well, in terms of benefit, in that example that I mentioned about the teacher is so obvious to the point that she, when I, uh, before I left, she said, other teacher came to her and said, I would love to have that system. Mm. They all want it. And then the teacher, the students told her that I like this classroom for the way it makes me feel. So can you put a dollar amount in that particular example of user satisfaction? About improving the school, uh, school score, uh, the scores. Uh, we don't have the data just yet to prove it, but the perception is indisputable. That the feeling, that the you know testimonial, right? So there's a bit of a, a gap between where we are today in terms of cost versus some of the intangible aspect that connect lighting may bring. And that's where I think that we're still in the early phase, and that's why I'm working with um, three different control companies, for example, to try to kind of bring that solution to the market, so we have better. way to articulate the benefit but in terms of that one small example the teacher she loved it so much she loved it and she said that robert if there's an opportunity for me to help you to bring this word out to the masses to other teachers she would love to do so
0: robert e lee yes sir thank you for being a guest on the get a grip on lighting podcast
2: thank you 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 guys take care
0: signify s-i-g-n-i-f-y dot com greggy
1: Had a great discussion today on connected lighting, and these guys truly are the leader when it comes to that. They have a lot of time, effort, investment into it, and they're coming out with innovative product that are really going to truly connect lighting to the people using it. That's what Signify is all about being innovative in lighting, being a leader, and they're here for that.
0: We're on the threshold of something crazy. Well first, if you want to know what it is, you gotta to go to Signify.com because they're the leaders in all this. S-I-G-N-I-F-Y dot Signify.com, longtime member of Nailed, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. Go to NAILD.org. If you haven't joined, what you waiting for, huh? Up it up it up pop bop, bop, bop. Join Nailed if you're in lighting. If you're a lighting distributor, get on it. And of course, Robert, thanks for joining us in the show and talking about lighting. Especially connected lighting, Greg. Right?
1: That's right
0: listen folks Written on the rectory wall, there's a sign there for all. If you are lost, Lord is there to find you.